0: Let's give that to the Lord. Lord, you're the greatest pastor we know. Lord, you're the greatest shepherd. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Man, what a good looking congregation. I want you to know, I said that with you wearing MSU colors. What a good-looking congregation we have. See, it got real quiet when I pointed that out. All the Michigan people just went silent. God doesn't care what colors you're wearing. And God doesn't care the color of your skin either. What He cares about is the color of your heart. Is your heart cleansed in the blood? Is it white as snow? Is it pure before the Lord? Lord, we magnify you. God, we lift you up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're a visitor here, you might be thinking my wife is a lunatic. Don't worry, I think that all the time. That's why we make a good couple. She's crazy and I'm crazier. But she was trying to get everybody to do a whistle. Whistle. And if you are here, you know. But if you're visiting, you don't know. But there's something within us that's tired of being silent. That's tired of always letting hell wipe its feet on us. That More Life Tabernacle and its saints are not a doormat for hell. Are not pushovers for the enemy. But are strong in the power of the Lord. And we're vocal about it. For we shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. And in our hearts we do, whoa! This world's got no problem doing war chants at football games. It's got no problem going to pep rallies and shouting all over the place and acting like a bunch of crazy people but in the house of God there is something greater there is something more powerful there is something that makes you want to jump makes you want to begin to shout I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ which has called us into eternal life and salvation and heirs with the kingdom of God You know, this world needs to hear you. This world needs to hear God in you. This world not only needs to hear God in you, it needs to feel God in you. It needs to see God in you. And it needs to experience the same God that's doing all that in you. They need to feel it. And if you showed up for a short service, you picked the wrong day. Not even preaching yet. Please, afterwards, we did this for Sister Patty, and we'd love everyone that's here to be a part of this. After the altar call, after everything is said and done and the Lord is finished, if anybody that's still here and would stay, we'd like everyone to line up in the altar and we're going to kind of do a picture video montage um, for Boston. We'd like to get everybody's picture in support. This is a really good thing that our church has been doing and i pray it continues and i'm just so proud of more life and thank you for everyone that's involved everyone that has showed up today for the lord today is the state of righteousness address and every year i know you're standing for a minute so you can be seated for a bit i have a little bit of mercy on you But every year, we we have started the beginning of the year with three addresses, the State of the Body of Christ Address, which was earlier. The second one was State of Doctrine, which we just had two weeks ago, and we will conclude with the State of Righteousness Address, which is today. And before I get into that, let me make these other announcements. I'm ready to go and this these items are in the way not that they're bad i don't mean it like that but we need donations for chile our church in chile the glasses the donations for the homeless buckets are still in the family center also february will be our month of prayer every day in the month of february we will have prayer here day will be themed each day, please check the, scal- the calendar, the schedule for those. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday will be at seven o'clock. Saturday will be ten a.m. and then Saturday, February twentieth, um, our service will be at seven p.m. That's the members' meeting with foot washing and communion. That's February twentieth. Everybody said amen for those. I want to say something before we get into this. I'm well aware that we have many, many new members. There are a lot of people that have made More Life its home over the last couple of years. And every one of us is in a different place with God. Bishop is in a different place than God than me. And you're in a different place with God than I am. But you need to know something that your place in God is not where I'm at I'm not any better than you I'm not in any higher place with God than you are but I am in my place with God and you are in your place and your place in God will not alter and deter what I have to preach today so you need to know that I'm not picking on anybody I'm not singling anyone out and I am not preaching words of condemnation that's not God they are words from God that is moved to convict to build to strengthen and this church is not walking away from these righteousness and holiness things that will be covered today so no matter where you're at with God I want you to know that God loves you first and foremost and God He is trying to build and create great blessings and great things in your heart and in your lives. And so I love you all. I pray for you daily. You mean the world to me. I can't tell you how it's just amazing that you would do this today for my son and my family. To my bishop, I give honor. He typically doesn't announce me when I'm preaching, but I appreciate it. And I love him very much. And I give him honor as I give honor to all our ministry and all our department heads and to everyone that's here. If you'd stand, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. Everybody say all scripture. All of it. Okay? It's breathed out by God. And all that scripture that is breathed by God, this is what it is. It is profitable for teaching, which we're going to do a little bit of that today. For reproof, we'll probably do a little bit of that too. For correction, we'll probably do a little bit of that too. And for training in righteousness. We're gonna do a whole lot of that today. But that's what the Word of God is for. It's not just for murals on the wall that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or where your treasures are laid up, there your heart is. Those are all good things. And the Word of God is for them, but it's for much, much more as well. Bishop, will you pray over this service? Amen. And everyone may be seated. 2021 State of Righteousness Address. Righteous and holiness are two different things. In the Bible, we often read about being righteous in the Lord or being holy in the Lord. There is a distinct difference between the two. And both are necessary for God's children to dwell in. It is necessary that we dwell in God's righteousness and God's holiness, both together, not one without the other. Righteous means to be made right, so we need to be made right, or being right, which is a state of being. The righteousness is a character or nature of God. He is right. He is always right. And when God puts his character, righteousness, or the nature of it, in us, then and only then we obtain his righteousness, his ability to do right, his ability to be right. Everybody with me so far? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him, that's in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. That's the Word of God. The definition of holiness. Holiness is a place in God. A condition of being set aside or set or being separate. Holy means to be set apart. Everybody understand? So holy is when you are set aside, apart. But being righteous is His ability in us to be right, to do right. Okay? I'm going to take a little bit of time. Everybody's in a different place, right? Holy means to be set apart. When God sanctifies something, someone, or even somebody's, He is separating them, setting them apart making them holy, just as He is set apart, being the only, the one true living God. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. That's the Word of God. Don't be getting weak on the amens now. This is the Word of God. Both righteousness and holiness are critical. Critical. And experiencing one without the other is unacceptable. We have become righteous in God. See, here's the thing that plagues apostolics. Apostolics, it's easy to identify, and they're set apart and they think they're holy. But the problem is, a lot of people who have been set apart are not acting right. So they have an appearance of holiness but not in the righteousness of God. So if God sets people apart and says be separate, it's not only separate in the way you look, in the way you talk, in the way you act, but it is being in the righteousness of God that the heart does right, wants to be right, wants to become right. One without the other is of none effect. It's like those that want God, but don't want to be a part. It's both ways. The righteousness of God empowers us to be holy. This is critical that everyone understands. The righteousness of God that is God in us that gives us the ability to do right. The ability to overcome wrong, right? That power is what allows us and grants us the ability to stand in the holiness of God. The ability to do right, which is given to us from God, empowers us to live a separated life. I've been reading quotes, and I've got one today. This life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness. It's not wealth but healing. It's not being, but becoming. It's not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but this is the road. All does not yet glean in glory, but all is being purified. That's by Martin Luther. So this month, I am delivering the state of doctrine, have, and I've delivered the state of the church, and now we're doing the state of righteousness. Some things will overlap, but here we go. We believe that there is one God. We believe that God's name is Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Holy Spirit. We also believe that that we are saved by grace through faith. So today, I want to cover a couple of points on what we believe. First, and before anything else, we believe that we should love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength as as written in Mark 12, verse 30. In Elisha, we went through our charges and at the top of those charges I wrote this saying, before anything, before everything, before anyone, before everyone, love. Love. Yeah. Secondly, we believe that we should love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves as Mark also said. We believe That we are loved, we are called, we are empowered, and we are instructed to live, uphold, and continually practice a lifestyle of separation from all sin. Sin of any form, sin of any mask, sin of any prejudice, and sin of any voice. We believe that we are not to be conformed to this world that we are not of this world, but we have been chosen by Him to come out of this world. We believe that we are not to talk like this world, think like this world, believe like this world, or live like this world. And this year, I'm adding a couple extra points just for fun. Not only... Are we to not talk like this world, think like this world, believe like this world, or live like this world? We also are not to post on social media the same as this world or behave in our texts like this world. And one more. We believe that our total and complete online presence should always, without exception, reflect Christ. (laughs) Standards of holiness. Why do we have standards of holiness? 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I've known a couple. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already, right now. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. But we are from God and whoever knows God listen to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is in us. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So knowing that Jesus is our strength and knowing that we can overcome the world through him, we boldly embrace Hebrews 13:7 through9. We boldly embrace this coming passage. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. teachings we embrace that because we know that he's great in us and since jesus christ is lord the same yesterday today and forever then the state of righteousness is one it is the same hear me and hear me well If Jesus Christ is one and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then his righteousness remains the same today, tomorrow, in the past, the years to come, the decades to come, the generations to come, that the righteousness of God is one and never changes. The righteousness of God is part of His nature, is part of His character, and the character of God is unmatched, unrivaled, and unchanged. His word says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. We then, will continue in the ways of Christ's life and our leaders' lives. We will continue in the state of righteousness put forth upon us by Jesus and confirmed to us by our elders that we too may receive eternal life. Why do we have these standards of holiness? Two answers I've written. One, because we understand and we believe that we are not of this world, but of Christ. That the standards of holiness create a border between our lives and the attacks of hell. The lies, the violence, the hurts, the carnage, the deceitfulness of this world are ever pressing upon us, trying to strip us of our identity and our faith in Christ. We therefore hold fast To the teachings of Jesus. And the teachings of our elders. And we therefore imitate their faith. Which in turn reinforces our belief. In who Jesus Christ is. Who he is going to be. And who he will forever be. Not only who Christ is. But who we are in him. Creating the same outcome in our life. As it did in their life. Which is eternal life. and you're a smart congregation. You're an educated congregation. You're a mature congregation. And I know in the Holy Ghost that you are receiving these things. For More Life Tabernacle, the hour is fast approaching where we must not waver from truth. We must not give in to darkness. We must not compromise our faith. The second answer to why we have standards is this. We keep standards of holiness to draw a clear line in the sand. We keep them to draw a clear line in the sand that identifies us as the redeemed. God's called and chosen a line that makes a loud a bold statement to hell and all the spirits of this world that we will not cross over to their destruction, and they will not enter into our destination. The word of God concerning standards of holiness. Second Corinthians 6:14. The word says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has a light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Not maybe, we are. The children of God, that's you, are the temple of God. He says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Because He's our God and because we're His people and because we are the temple of God, He goes on to say, Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. There's more to blowing kisses to God, and there's more to just offering up praises before the Lord welcomes people home. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us Cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. The completion of holiness, scripturally, is when we bring the defilement of our body, our outward appearance, and our spirit, the inward, together in God. We believe and embrace that being separate from the world, living a lifestyle woven together with strands of holiness is a must. It is not optional with God. Just as 2 Corinthians 7-1 stated, we believe that the Lord's holiness is completed when we purge ourselves from everything that defiles, defiles the body and the spirit. Therefore standards of holiness are set in place to derail the defilement of the world from impacting our lives yes. viewpoints of holiness standards our standards of holiness are not not set in place to restrict to limit or bind the people of the name. Our standards of holiness are set in place to define, to identify, to protect, and to empower the people of His name in His righteousness. Our standards of holiness are not for persecution, but for protection. Our standards of holiness are not kept to keep us in, but to keep sin and its influences out. Our standards of holiness are not kept, hear me well, to make us holy. Our standards of holiness are kept because we are in His holiness. And one more thing, Our standards of holiness are not only for an outward example to this world to let them know that we are not of this world, but our standards of holiness are also an outward example to our own very eyes set as a reminder every day, set as a reminder every day that when we see ourselves in the mirror, our image speaks loudly to ourselves. That I'm not of this world. That I have made a choice to come out from this world. That I am separate. I am consecrated, beloved, child of the one true living God, Jesus Christ. Now the following standards of holiness. This is not an exhaustive list but I have simply chosen a couple to help address and to define separate identity that apostolics distinguish from worldliness. So this isn't all of them. It's just a couple to deliver a point that we need to be holy and in his righteousness. If anyone would like a more in-depth study, or if any of you have any questions, or concerns you didn't understand, just find me. You know where my office is at. I don't hide my cell phone from this congregation or my email. You can contact me. We can talk it over. But I'm going to start with hair and praying with a covering. In First Corinthians 11, I recently had a person, when I was talking on this issue, they said, yeah, but who was that wrote to? I'm like, the church in Corinth. And they're like, exactly. And I'm like, what's your point? What's your point? Well, that was wrote to them. Well, by that logic then, I don't have to listen to any of the New Testament because none of it was wrote to me. It was wrote to the church in Jerusalem. It was wrote to the church in Philippi. It was wrote to the church in Rome. They get the manual buzzer. "Eh," Next. The whole Word of God is wrote for us. We read it in the beginning. All of it. It said that it's breathed out of God. And it's for correction and instruction. 1 right. yeah. Corinthians eleven two, I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts. That you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. That the head of every man is Christ. And the head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is is God a man men dishonor his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying that's very plain but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head for this is the same as shaving her head yes if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping. For man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, but a woman reflects the man's glory. For the first man did not come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made from woman, but woman was made for man. And for this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show that she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman. And everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it, the long hair, has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants... See, this is the verse that most people want to find it out. If anyone wants to argue about this i simply say that we have no other custom than this and neither do god's other churches so we believe concerning hair and coverings we know and we understand that the coverings mentioned in 1 corinthians 11:2 through 16 is clearly defined As the man and woman's hair. The hair is the covering on a man and on a woman. Clearly. Remember 15? For it has been given to her as a covering. We believe in the word of God. That a man, we're going men first. You ready Garrett? We believe that a man should cut and trim his hair to a length that is not considered long by our governing spiritual authorities within our church age. The hair length for men has been set by our elders to be above the collar and off the ears. That's what our elders determined was good, and any longer wasn't. At some point, the line in the sand had to be drawn. And it says that we obey the teaching of our elders. And that's what it is. Well, Larry, if our elders would have said we could have had it down to our our shoulders, we'd have been all right. But they didn't say that, did they? So we're not all right. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is in us. Whoops, wrong way. By obeying the standard of holiness... A man thus fulfills the above scriptures by not covering his head. And he will bring honor to his calling as the head of his household. And he will honor his authority and his responsibilities to his wife and to his children. By his obedience, he fulfills 1 Corinthians eleven seven, and will reflect the glory of God in his house and in his life. We believe that in the Word of God that a woman should not cut her hair, nor trim her hair. We are not without empathy or understanding or without compassion. We know that there are medical issues that can arise which require a woman to cut or shave a portion, if not all her hair, during a period of sickness or medical procedures. However. When the procedures or treatments are over, the woman should resume not cutting or trimming her hair. Right. By obeying the standard of holiness, a woman thus fulfills the above scriptures by having her head covered and, pry- and brings pride, joy, balance, and the proper structure of authority in her home. By not cutting or trimming her hair, she shows submission to the authority of the Lord and to the authority of her husband in marriage and before her family. Before the Lord, she reflects the glory of her husband. That's the word of God. Since the coverings in Scripture are clearly hair, we see no reason to push the envelope of God's intentions and we do not encourage nor approve of men praying or worshiping with hats, hoods, or any other form of coverings over their head. Got real quiet. But why is it in denominational churches everybody's wearing ball caps? When the scripture says a man should not pray with his head covered. Ah, Bishop, that was just to the Church of Corinth. On the flip side. Oh, wait a minute. I want to finish here. However. No, 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 wait. I got a lot of notes, people. Bear with me. Have a little mercy on me nor approve of men praying, I'm just going to pick up here, and worshiping with hats, hoods, or any other form of coverings other than their cut hair. As God's intention was clearly to have the head of man openly exposed before him in prayer and worship, we have no problem with men wearing hats and hoodies in their day-to-day life. However, we ask that all men remove any hats or hoods when they enter this church building on the flip side because the woman is to be covered by uncut hair we see no reason to limit or restrict the wearing of hats veils or any other materials worn during prayer or worship for a woman however these additionally these additional covers coverings do not replace the uncut hair, as her scriptural covering. If you have any questions, you know to find me. Outward appearance. Moving on. Romans twelve eleven. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Everybody say this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Second Corinthians 6.16 said, for we are the temple of the living God, our bodies are so I'm going to talk about jewelry, makeup, tattoos, hairstyles, and anything in that genre real quick. First Timothy 2.9 says, Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but is what is proper for a woman who professes godliness with good works. First Peter says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or of the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. Leviticus 19.28, and I rarely use Old Testament for what we're doing, but it applies. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves, I am the Lord. So we believe concerning these things, jewelry, makeup, tattoos, hairstyles, we believe that the scripture clearly teaches a modest, humble display of outward appearance. That's clearly evident. We believe the Bible explicitly teaches that we should not focus nor strive towards the outward display of vanity, but on the inward display of humility and meekness, both in the mind and in the spirit. We believe that men and women should not wear jewelry in a manner that promotes vanity and self-image. We understand that it is appropriate in some situations for a man and a woman to wear a wedding ring to show that they are married in their communities and their work environments. Therefore, we make an allowance for the wearing of wedding rings, engagement, or promise rings. All these rings show a commitment towards the fulfillment of God's holy institute of marriage. I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to insert something recently that's come up. Back in the day and still today, there are apostolic churches that will not allow people to wear wedding rings. The problem I have is that it's okay to not wear a wedding ring, but it's, it's perfectly fine to have a $1,000 purse or a $1,000 suit. It's hypocrisy. Because the point of the Word of God is that the outward is modest. And the heart of the issue that not only do we stand in holiness, but have to have the righteousness of God. So people think, that not having a wedding ring makes you holy, but inside they can be outward lavished, inexpensive attire. The problem is the heart. So we allow. I worked in a public school, for those of you that are like, mm, I worked in a public school system for over two decades, and it was very critical that I have a wedding ring on my finger. And if you are like, what? You don't understand? You haven't worked in a public school system. You haven't worked with over 2,000 employees that constantly look and are, are watching and are trying to determine if they can make advancements. Now, I will say this. My wedding ring was like under 200 bucks because we were poor but we might have a problem with a $200,000 wedding ring because the point is to show I'm married not how much wealth I can afford let God deal with your heart listen I'm not going to have a jeweler's eye on and I'm not going to be measuring the carrot of your ring that's between you and the Lord Keep it modest before God. Come on, somebody. Still love your pastor? We believe and understand that the only reference to tattoos in the Old Testament under the law of Moses is under the law of Moses. We also understand that in Genesis 131, That God looked and he saw that everything he made was very good. This knowledge, coupled with the knowledge that our bodies are the temple of the living God, and the fact that God didn't approve of of tattoos in the Old Testament due to their roots tied to paganism, teaches us that we should not alter the flesh with tattoos. Tattoos are becoming very, they used to be a thing of taboo. They're now accepted in even high business situations. The business administrators now can have tattoos where before. And the law enforcement used to have to cover them up. No more. Tattoos are now commonly accepted, even in many churches. But our body is the temple of the living God. And in the Old Testament, it was a sign of paganism and a sign of deforming the body. And because the scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that he looked at his creation and said it is good, there is no need. To change what God's given us. Right. Yeah. Men in women's clothing. Deuteronomy 22, five: A woman shall not wear a man's garment nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. The scripture unfortunately has not been correctly understood by many people. We believe And we understand that Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God, is directly talking about and referring to the lifestyle of homosexuality, cross-dressing, and transgenderism. It was. Since this principle of blurring and compromising the lines, between the sexes that God created is an abomination unto the Lord. We recognize and heed the warning to keep distinct boundaries between the male and the female genders in dress. As referenced earlier, our elders, by the wisdom and direction of the Holy Ghost, were led of God to put in place a dress code for men and women which directly influences and impacts with great clarity the separation of the sexes for the age that we currently live in. We believe and we follow the traditions that were set by our forefathers that men should wear pants and women should wear dresses representing a modest gender distinguished Holy appearance of dress before this world and our Lord. We ought always to give thanks for God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification of the Spirit and the belief in the truth. To this, He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The this is the sanctification by the Spirit and believing in truth. The righteousness of God, which is His right in us, His ability to do right within us, is our faith in His truth. The this is that by our faith in the Word, His truth, has been made righteousness and set apart. And by this, we obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So because we believe that we are to follow our calling, to live sanctified in truth, to obtain the glory of Jesus, we commit ourselves to verse 15. 2 Thessalonians 2, 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or our letter. See, everybody just wants the letter now. Is it written? Is it written? Is it written? But that verse says they held fast traditions that were spoken and were written. There are those that say there is no direct scripture that says that a woman has to wear a skirt to be saved. First off, wearing a skirt won't save a woman. You need to know that. In fact, no standards save any human being. The grace of God is what saves us by our faith in him. Come on. We don't keep standards to be holy. We uphold standards because we are in his holiness. Secondly, if we are to base our standards of holiness on the line of thinking that we must have a scripture spelling out word for word the rights from the wrongs, then we, I put this in there last year and I left it, My example is kind of silly, but it hits home. If that's what we're going to do, I've got to have a verse that spells out word for word what I can and cannot do. Then after this service is over, let's go snort a line of coke and get high on a number of addictions. Because, hey, the Bible doesn't say word for word that I can't snort cocaine. Show me the scripture that says snort cocaine. By pure human reasoning, our hearts and minds should detect when sin is at the door. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. The Word instructs us in Thessalonians 2.15 that traditions are taught by the spoken word or the letter. And that we are to stand firm and hold to these traditions that are taught by our elders that keep us connected to the glory of Jesus. Remember back in Hebrews 13, 7, we read, Remember your leaders. Everybody point to Bishop. Remember your Bishop. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way and their life and imitate their faith. All you men, look at Bishop. Remember your leaders and imitate their way of life. All you ladies, look at our senior first lady back in the back standing. Remember her way of life. Imitate her faith. You see how she's dressed? Imitate it. Except the green and white thing. We all have our limits. keep losing my place. The biblically, this biblically teaches, proves, and confirms that the ministry has been granted the authority and allowance from God to establish standards of holiness that are not written down word for word in the letter of the law. Okay, young people, I'm going to put something very plain and clear to you. It is a standard of holiness in this church that you should not watch porn. Why? It's to keep that out of your life. And do you know that God has given your pastor the authority to say, Don't look at porn. And he gave that same authority to my bishop, to your bishop, and to his bishop, and to the pastors before and the elders before, that as society becomes more and more evil, there needs to be, at times, standards created and put in place to stop the advance of evil of that day. The thinking of the world says that the man of God cannot do that because there's no scripture that binds it. But the scripture does bind it and say that we hold fast to the traditions spoken and in letter by our elders. But you're smart. You know these things. This biblically teaches and proves and confirms that the ministry has been granted the authority and allowance from God to establish standards of holiness that are not written down word for word in the letter of law, but have been impressed upon their hearts by the Spirit of God to give the congregation that they shepherd over. So no, the Bible does not say word for word, O woman, thou shalt wear skirts all the day of thy life. Instead, the Holy Ghost has impressed upon our pastors and bishops to preach pants on men and skirts on women, why, as a gender identity holiness standard to help protect and guard against the blurring of the lines of authority in the home, in the marriage, in the family structure, and to stop the influence of homosexuality and transgender. all that said and due to living in a society that is pushing, it is promoting and it is very proud of homosexuals and transgender lifestyle. We know more than ever and we now see a desperate need to maintain the separation of the sexes in an outward display in an outward display of dress that keeps with the traditions that have been handed down to us by our forefathers, by my bishop, and by our elders. We will, more life tabernacles, so help me God, will uphold the holiness standard that men will wear pants and that women will wear dresses, for this is proper and right before God. The modesty of clothing, First Timothy 2, nine. likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable appareble, appareble, apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold and pearls or costly attire, but what is proper for woman to profess godliness with good works. So on those scriptures, I want to touch this real quick, if musicians would come. We believe that concerning the modesty of clothes... That clothing on a person should not reveal, accentuate, or promote the hidden parts of the body. I don't want to make that any more clear. There's young ears here. I hope all the adults in the room understand what Pastor's saying here. We also believe that our clothing should not be overly extravagant or costly. To the point of drawing more attention to the brand that we are wearing than the brand that is in us. In conclusion, if you'd all stand. Now you can be seated, I got another page. No, seriously. Gotcha. I thought it looked weird. Romans six twelve, but we are concluding. In conclusion, let not sin therefore remain reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as though who have been brought from death to life, as your members, your members as your body and your body parts it says don't put your body and your body parts to be instruments of sin to unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those that have been brought from death to life and your members your body your body parts to God as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace you know under the law of Moses 613 commandments And they include the Ten Commandments. It was a list of their rules saying do's and don'ts. And this list of laws was fulfilled. It was fulfilled. By the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law of Moses. But this is where progressive deception is creeping into many believers' hearts. Many people feel that since we are not under the law of Moses, that all that is needed is the love of Christ in our life to be righteous and to be His holy people. It is true that the love of Christ reaches all men and women, both saved and unsaved. And all can feel and all can receive the love of Christ in their life. But receiving the Lord or the love of Christ is not the same as being in love with Christ. Once we receive His love, we need to fall in love with all of Him, ultimately loving Him back how He loves us, which is unconditional. Both in spirit And in truth, our love for Jesus is shown to Him in spirit by our praises, by our worship, by speaking in faith. However, the second part of that love, the love that is shown in truth, is revealed by our obedience to His Word. One form of love, praise. Without the other form of love, obedience is incomplete love. It is by design that Jesus gave the New Testament with less rules, less commandments. It's by design. But that does not let the people off the hook. In reality, It holds people more accountable to His righteousness and holiness. In the New Testament, Jesus expects, no, He commands us to love Him so deeply and passionately that we should know His heart and His voice. The Scripture says that my sheep know my voice. And we are to know and experience the love of God so deeply that what pleases Him should not have to be written down word for word in the letter of a law, but only to be have written upon our hearts by His hand. Romans 6.15 says what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace by no means? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, You are slaves of the one who you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Obedience leads to righteousness. Obedience leads to righteousness. righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Verse 19. For just as you once presented your members as slaves, your members again, body parts, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You'd all stand for real this time. Amen. So I say to you all today, in this 2021 State of Righteousness Address that the state of God's righteousness has not changed. It is not changing and it will never change. We are called to be His righteousness. We are called to be His holy people. We are called to live a separate and consecrated lifestyle that magnifies him inwardly and glorifies him outwardly. We believe that it is both biblical and righteous to the Lord to obey and to practice the traditions of standards of holiness. That the Bible, our bishop, and our pastors actively teach and preach. Again, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. They're not just putting down things for power and for ego trips. At least I hope they're not. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And with this passage I close. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. And Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I might make there an altar to God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all their foreign gods that they had. And they gave to Jacob the rings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. You see, when Jacob arose to fulfill the call of God in his life, he and his family, the first thing they did was purge the foreign gods and purify themselves and changed what they wore. And they buried it in the ground to never be uncovered again. They cleaned up their household. They cleaned up their lifestyle because they knew they knew that coming to God required holiness and righteousness only from God. They fulfilled this not only in words, but in their obedience to God. So I ask each and every one of you today, are we willing to clean up our house? Are we willing to purge our lifestyle of wrong living? Are we willing to follow God in all His righteousness, in all His holiness, and in all His glory. I wonder if we couldn't lift our hands towards heaven right now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that Your Word and Your ways and Your will would settle in the hearts and minds and lives of every person that's listened today. God, there's none of us that are perfect. Lord, there's none of us that are holy and righteous without you. But God, I pray that within every person that you would create a clean heart, you would renew within us a right spirit. That, oh God, help us to purge our homes. Help us to clean up our life, God. Help us to begin to bury it in the blood of the Lamb. something and I'm going to be the first well I'm not the first because Garrett's already beat me sister Laura's already beat me I'm gonna be the third in the altar because I want everybody you take a minute right now and I want you to think in your life some of you might not have to think very far but what is it in your life that God's asking you to give up what is it in your heart that God's been after? You've been holding on to, you've been justifying. I can live this way because of this. I can do this because of that. I'm able to do this. I'm able to do that. We're the biggest liar we know. Stop lying to ourselves. I'm asking if you would. If you would begin to make your way to this altar and come with that thing in your mind and say, God, I'm going to purify myself today in you. God, I'm going to put it on the altar in front of you. God, I'm going to lay it down before you. Lord, I want to clean up my life. I want to make better choices. I want to walk in your righteousness. I want to dwell. In your holiness. Would you come? Oh Lord. Help us God. Help us. Lord send your spirit. Let your spirit rain down. Let your spirit begin to flood this place God. Uh Would everyone come? Please find a place of prayer. I seek your righteousness, God.